Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You are very welcome to episode 36 of the Scaling Your Business podcast. On this episode, we are going to Denver, Colorado, to be joined by David Lopez. David, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Rian. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to share more about the work that we're working on and uh, dive into uh, a little bit more about myself as well. Yeah, delighted to have you on. Um, I've, I've not been over to Colorado. I usually get over stateside four or five times a year, mainly East Coast, Baltimore, Boston, New York, been over West Coast a couple of times, but not been to Colorado. So why don't we start there? You grew up in Denver. What are your favorite memories as a child growing up there? Um, so it's actually been a bit interesting. Um, you know, I'm a Colorado native, but I didn't really live the typical Colorado experience. So I didn't go skiing or snowboarding until actually last year. Um, it, it was uh, a bit interesting. You know, I, I grew up, uh, you know, I'm the oldest of six kids raised by a single mom who didn't graduate from high school. And so, you know, there was a lot of, you know, struggles early on and, and you know, definitely was very family oriented, still is and very family oriented. Um, and so, you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, the great memories, I would say, you know, just being around family and being able to, you know, in, enjoy the 300 days of, of sunshine here, um, you know, and, and, you know, being able to, to find my love for, for school and education. 300 days of sunshine that doesn't exist uh, over the South Atlantic in Ireland <laughs> we certainly don't get 300 days of sunshine might get 30 um <laughs> when I think of uh Colorado or Denver um you've mentioned the skiing um I think of and I've asked a couple of Irish friends uh good beer and good music um I don't know if my assumption is correct but for those who like me have never been to Denver and they plan on visiting what should they make sure they squeeze into a trip if they're to ever visit. Yeah. So, so that's actually uh, one of the, you know, things that I love about Colorado is, you know, not only between our startup ecosystem, but also it's like our, our hubs, right? So we have Denver and then we also have Boulder, um, which are, you know, almost two separate entities. That's thankfully only a 30 minute drive apart, um, you know? And, and so in Boulder, you kind of, you know, you're able to get the, the great hikes and the great views and the flat irons, you know, while also being able to tap into, you know, the, there's a multitude of breweries uh, in the areas, you know, great local local restaurants and then go to Denver and it's a bit more modern uh you know definitely more urban uh but definitely you know their fair share breweries down there as well and then if you know you hear uh during concert season Red Rocks uh absolute best venue uh I think in the United States for uh for you know probably in the world outdoors exactly that and so um if, if you could hit all three um I would say that that would be a successful trip to Colorado for sure for sure um you mentioned you are, I don't know if you said you were the eldest of six, but you're one of six from a single mother. Who do you believe had the biggest impact on you growing up? Uh, I, I think it's, it's a, I mean, definitely my mom. Um, I was also, you know, partly raised by my grandparents. And so, you know, from that, it was actually an interesting dynamic, you know, growing up low income with my mom, whereas my, my grandparents actually almost financed my childhood. And so, you know, I, I had a lot of the material things that I wanted. 
but also, you know, still going back home and, and still being on government housing and government assistance. And so it was it was an interesting dynamic that almost gave me the best of both worlds. I seen what it was like to not have much or not have anything and, you know, see my mom struggle. But then I've also been on the other side of it and, and you know, seeing what, you know, having access to financial resources from my grandparents gives me. And so that dynamic, I think, really allowed me to from a very early age, make the decision on say, okay, look, I know what it's like to have one. And I know what it's like to have the other. And I do not like not having the resources. And I do not like seeing my mom who means the world to me struggle. And so because of that, that means I need to kick it into gear and make sure that I don't set myself up, you know, like that. And so there was a definitely a lot of learning lessons, you know, and, and so what my mom lacked financially, she made up with love and support, you know, and, and to this day, you know, there's, there's this healthy dynamic of, you know, I have a, a support system that I'm very grateful for, you know, and that is, is kind of this, this background that, you know, really keeps me, keeps me grounded, but also keeps me hungry and motivated to not only have impact for my local community, but also to, to share the work that we're doing with other individuals that grew up like me that just need access or exposure to an opportunity for change massive respect i noticed the kobe bryant book behind you i'd regret it if i didn't ask are you a basketball fan i i absolutely love basketball um i'm, I'm a season ticket holder for the the denver nuggets hoping to uh make it past western conference finals this year um but i mean even you know i'm 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 a competitor you know i, I played sports in high school um you know that that wasn't going to be my future but i also bring this competitive nature that you know mamba mentality uh to business right? You know, business and, yeah. and sports, it's, it's competitive nature, you know, and, and I put in a lot of work on, on the daily and I make sure that, you know, I believe in that work. And so that competitive nature, whether it be in sports or business uh, is a big aspect of my life. Well, you say you bring that competitive nature. I looked through some of your socials in research for this podcast and I noticed that a lot of people pay respect to you in your work ethic. Um, through that, you've managed to meet people. One of those people is Robert f or robert j robert f smith a yep. uh, a what you might consider a local billionaire to colorado um would you say he's had an influence on you or or helped you out in in, in any way because i noticed that you've met him before i think it was you said you also got invited to one of his reunions if i'm not mistaken yeah yeah i, I had the opportunity to meet yeah robert f smith uh you know uh founder and, and chairman of Vista Private Equity Group. Um, and so, yeah, I was invited to his uh, family reunion in 2017, which was actually the summer right before I went to college. And I, I actually, you know, I, I'm glad you brought it up because I do give a lot of credit for, for Robert exposing me to the world of tech. Right. So prior prior to meeting him, I, you know, I thought I was going to go and, and study finance at, at the university. But, you know, it, I was just like, all right, I'm not fully a numbers guy. I met Robert. And I had this opportunity where he actually, you know, was exposing me, talking to me about data. Um, and, and, you know, you can watch a few of his videos, you know, he's, he's plenty of interviews where he talks about data being the fourth, uh, you know, almost industrial revolution. And so for me, I was like, okay, if he, if he's talking to me about this, I have to learn more. And so yeah. after that, you know, first initial meeting, I went, I learned a lot more. I, uh, you know, was kind of loose connected with someone that was, you know, starting a, you know, beginning to run a startup. And I was like, I want to get involved with this because Robert F. Smith just told me data and Silicon Valley and tech is, you know, it's going to be the, 
the next big thing as it was already the big thing but I just wasn't exposed to it and so now that I was I went and I was able to get that internship and then from there my entire world just flipped upside down once I realized you know how amazing the world of tech is you know how amazing you know Silicon Valley and other entrepreneurial hubs Austin Seattle Boston Boulder Denver right Uh, once I learned about the the amazing communities the amazing companies being built and the impact being shared I knew that that was, you know, one where I wanted to be, but that was also my first exposure to identifying a passion, you know, and and so for me, I I knew how to work smarter, not harder when it came to school, all these books, and I I have a few more that don't fit on there, uh, you know, they they all came from this passion to want to learn more and, and really, really be great at my craft, which I knew, you know, was going to be tech. What that position was, I wasn't completely sure, but I knew I wanted to be on the business side. Um, And and so that was definitely a a big exposure. I gave a lot of credit to to Robert and Mr. Smith for that. Shout out to Robert. Uh, For anyone who isn't familiar with uh, Robert, his company Vista Equity is probably, if not one of the four largest enterprise software companies in the world, next to like Microsoft and Oracle and SAP. so they're actually in, in private equity. So, so they're the most active private equity firm in, in the world of startups. So, so they have a lot of merger and acquisitions under their belt. Probably, I think it's like two to three times more than, than the next uh, you know, runner up. So they're definitely in, in the space and active, but just more on, on the, you know, the financing side of things. Nice. What's your personal favorite aspect of being an entrepreneur or business owner? Impact. Um, definitely you know the impact because I feel I feel very lucky and I feel very privileged that I was able to earn a full ride scholarship to go to college and be exposed uh you know I'm I'm a big you know exposure and access I think those are two important things that need to be shared especially around underserved communities and I think I've been very exposed and I've had access to a lot of amazing opportunities and so now for me the number one thing as an entrepreneur yeah you know I, I love being my own boss I love you know you know, building and leading a team, but more importantly, I love impacting. Uh, that's this, you know, that's what I'm, I'm addicted to because I know if we can have this impact, we're going to change the lives of individuals that were just like myself. And it's amazing that we also get to make money while doing that. Like mm. it blows my mind that there's a, you know, you can live a world where being happy, having impact and making money all coexist. And for me, that's, that's what, you know, that's what drives me. That's what wakes me up every day. It's easy to see spending three or four minutes researching you that uh, you're incredibly passionate about what you do. Um, One other thing you're passionate about is workplace diversity. Um, For those who might not have heard of, let's say, DEI campaigns, um, can you talk through, one, what that stands for, and two, why you believe a a diverse workforce, which I'm in 100% agreement with you, backed by many studies, is so, so important. Yeah, so I mean, getting started on DE and I, you know, diversity, equity and inclusion. So, you know, there, there might be a lot of, you know, talk around like what is what is fair and, and equal, right, which is not always the, the best conversation, um, you know, especially when it comes to something like, you know, the future of work and workforce development, uh, you know, that that equitable opportunities are what's important, you know, and, and so for someone that, you know, maybe is, is more on the privileged side that had university paid for, you know, by their parents, or they didn't have to work so much, or, you know, they just had access or exposure, you know, there's just a multitude of, of things that can, you know, culminate into the word privilege. Um, it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't always matter about skin color, 
you know, it, it's a lot about, you know, the background socioeconomic status and, and where you came from, what adversity you had to overcome. And so for us, when it, when it, you know, bringing, shifting that focus to the future of work and workforce development at my own university experiences, you know, I, when coming from a low income background, I went to university because I needed to go in, get a degree and get a job that would help me move my mom out the ghetto. Right. So that was my motivation. But then I'm here and I'm going in classes and, you know, these people are coming in from partying on a Tuesday night. To me, that's just like that blows my mind that people are able to do that. I mean, to each their own. But also I'm sitting there and these people are, you know, hanging in class, you know, from a, a night of drinking. And I'm like, I know 10 people from my hometown that should be here but can't because of money that would be outperforming these individuals. And then, you know, flash forward a little bit and these, those same individuals are getting entry-level sales roles at these tech companies. And I'm still like, these people, I guarantee you can outcompete them. They just need exposure and need access to the opportunities. And so for me, I was like, okay, there, there's a gap there that I guarantee that we can fill that doesn't take four years and cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. And more importantly, we're getting it to the individuals that, of course, they deserve it. But then getting to your other point of diversity wins and the studies are there to show it. I, I you know, of course, I believe the studies, but I also believe my own experiences. Right. So there's individuals that, um, you know, sales can be correlated with the word hustler. Right. There's a lot of individuals that I grew up with. I'm a hustler. And I have people, you know, uh, that I grew up with that are hustlers. It just happened that I hustled school and they unfortunately hustled other things. Mm -hmm. Now, they're still hustlers. They were just exposed to the wrong things at the wrong time. If we can get that exposure and say, hey, look, you can go and hustle, but you can hustle this other stuff that will make you wealthy, you know, and, and will get you access to things that you never thought you would believe of. And it's all legal. And, you know, we, we can give you everything you need to be successful in that. Let's, let's, let's look at that. Let's, let's shift our focus there because those individuals have overcome adversity. They've, you know, overcome the struggle. And more importantly, when we're talking with these companies, if they, you know, they're making 50 calls, hundred calls a day and they get hung up on 10 times in a row, chances are that's not the hardest thing that they've ever done in their life. No. And that is what companies want to see from, you know, their, their entry-level reps and, and from our students more importantly, because they know that, our students know the struggle and that they're working harder than anyone else to break that cycle to, you know, quote unquote, get their mom out of the ghetto. I absolutely love this. Um, I, I love this, David. And I, I do want to get into it a little further, but if we pause for a moment so far, what I've, what I've understood is you're passionate about diversity, about giving everyone, let's say like an equal level playing field chance mm -hmm. at getting what they want to, uh, Grew up in uh, Denver, now live in Boulder. Uh, you've talked about the impact uh, Robert F. Smith has had on you and your grandparents and your mother. Uh, you also have a dog. I think it's called Zeus. Could be wrong. But what's yep. one other thing you're into or passionate about that people might not know about you? Um, yeah. So, I mean, Zeus is uh, he's definitely <laughs> a big part of a uh, big part of my life. Um, you know, we, we got him during the, the pandemic. Um, I would definitely, you know, he's my pen, my pandemic puppy, um, yeah. you know, and, and I, I think beyond, you know, and, and Zeus and family and everything is, is really just trying to, to live a life that one that brings me happiness, but also, you know, brings me fulfillment. And so when I'm not, you know, working on my business, I'm, you know, just trying to in, enjoy life, whether that be just hanging out and doing nothing 
or taking Zeus on a walk or exploring and going on hikes. Um, you know, I, I, I try to have a life outside of the business and, you know, understanding that my work is not me all completely. Right. And, and so for me, it's, it's, you know, really starting to get out there and explore more and, and, you know, taking advantage of being a Colorado resident and now getting out to do other things like skiing and snowboarding. Um, I'm, I, I'm a skier. I've, I've identified that. So, um, you know, nice. just, um, you know, in, in enjoying life and, uh, you know, living it to the fullest and, you know, I, I'm very blessed. I, you know, being able to work on something that I'm passionate about that brings impact. Um, you know, I'm can't say more than that is it's just exactly. you know, living a good life. Yeah, you referenced earlier on a few moments ago that, you know, 50 dollars a day is not probably not the hardest thing people have ever done. Um, but I'm sure you personally have come up with challenges. So can you think of a challenge or an objection that you've come up against in the last 12, 18, 24 months that you didn't expect or account for? And how did you overcome that or tackle it? Yeah, I, I think so. The challenge was as a team, right? So last uh, last summer, um, as you know, we, we were the youngest team to be accepted to the University Accelerator uh, at, at the University of Colorado. And so for us, it was this challenge of, okay, we, we got a little bit of money in the door. Now we have to actually do something with it. What are we going to do? Now, in our plans and in our heads, the, the our plan was to actually launch our first cohort this month. So the very first cohort was supposed to be launched this month. And, you know, working with our mentors and, and advisors and, and who have now transitioned to be our current investors have, you know, they challenged us and said, look, I think you need to test this before that that may start date, because, you know, you can test and are, you know, you can think about it, you can plan all you want. And, mm -hmm. and at that point, it will be too late. And so for us, it was okay, well, if we are going to launch this what does that look like? How do we get everything ready? And how do, you know, it's, it's going to be ugly, but how do we get it to at least work? Um, mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, I, I give a, you know, huge credit to our team for, you know, really pulling everything together and getting us prepared to go from getting accepted uh, and starting that program in June of 2020 to then building our entire curriculum, going through 12 and 13 drafts of that curriculum, and then finally getting it signed off by the companies that work with us, recruiting and finding some students and running that first cohort in September of 2020. So that one was, was a huge, you know, challenge for us, but, you know, we were able to get it and by far has that paid off the most dividends because of the, uh, the lessons that we learned, um, you know, and, and the progress that we've been able to make since then and improvements and, you know, student experience and investment where, you know, it really matters. So it was a, it wasn't an easy challenge, but it was definitely a team effort. And, you know, I'm very proud that we were able to do it because that set us up for where we're at currently. Nice. Something I saw, I don't know was whether it was on your Facebook or your LinkedIn, but uh, within the last 12 months, someone's moved from a uh, bartender or a waiter to now in their first sales role. Do you want to speak a little bit about that? Because that's a really cool thing that you've had an impact on that person's life. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it was it was a very interesting dynamic being that, you know, we, we were identifying where's, where's our target market going to be, you know, coming from, you know, was it going to be, you know, diverse university students? Was it going to be community college students? But then, you know, uh, her name is Mariah, right? So we, we met Mariah and, and we said, look, you, we, we have, you know, this experience in hospitality. She had uh, one semester of community college and then she just decided it wasn't for her and she went into hospitality. She had, you know, worked at hotels, restaurants, and then, you know, was now a bartender. 
Um, and, and she was, you know, making decent money for her age, but, you know, she just wanted that, that next step, but she didn't had no idea where she wanted to go. Um, and, and so she had even went to, uh, school to be a dental assistant and she went through the whole program loved you know loved the the program for it and then within you know three months of actually being in a dental assistant role didn't like it and so soon enough she's actually back at being a bartender and so for me I'm like okay look I you know I I I know you I know what you're about I know your work ethic and I know your customer service skills and that was the number one thing I said Let's try, you know, take a look at our program and let me know what you think, you know, and, and thankfully she was willing to take a shot, the first cohort, um, you know, but it was everything that I, that I knew it was going to be. And one of the biggest learnings was she could, she could do the work and she was fine at it. The other, the thing that was big learning for us was that we had to get her to feel comfortable and find her confidence mm-hmm. because this is a big leap, right? Going from, you know, a bartender to tech sales. What is that? Right. And, and so you know, we, we had to, you know, really walk her through it, support her, you know, the other students in the cohort, you know, they, they had their own sense of community where she didn't feel so alone. She wasn't making that jump alone. Um, and so she was actually our last student to be placed, but she actually tripled her income. And right. so for us, that, that was, that was this like, oh, wow, this works. Right. And, and mm-hmm. so for us to see her triple her income was huge. But then beyond that, she also got access to, um, you know, full benefits which was in some she ever had access to previously. Now that's setting her up for success. And then beyond that, the thing that we were so excited to you know, teach and educate her on was stock options. Now she has stock options. Now she has some ownership. You know, Now she has something that beyond her salary, beyond her commission can also add to that economic mobility and really set her up for success in the long run. And so for us, that's all we wanna just keep doing more and more and more of because these individuals, you know, they, they deserve it. And when, when given the opportunity, they make the best of it. You know, she's, she's in her role. She just celebrated her, her three months there. And it's, it's been amazing to see her growth because, you know, for me, it's like, I, I knew it. I knew we were going to do it for her because I knew that she had everything that she needed to be successful. And for us, if we did anything, it was give her the confidence. Incredible. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that was through your current business, Gritly. Is that how it's pronounced? Yep. Yep. For those who may never have heard of it, um, what made you or what is Gritly? Let's let's top layer. What is Gritly? Yeah, so Gritly is a 12-week sales and emotional intelligence boot camp built to launch underserved communities such as women, minorities, and veterans into careers in tech sales. So we actually work directly with the companies that hire our students, collaborate on our curriculum, interact with uh, have interaction between the students and the companies and their representatives and really set our students up for success within our company partners while allowing the company partners to see how the students grow, develop as well as, well as their hands-on experience to then feel comfortable to not only you know go through interviews, but also make an offer on the other side of the program. What does the next 12 to 24 months look like for you and your team at Gritly? So, you know, now, now that we're, so we're actually launching our next cohort, we'll start on May 17th. Um, and, and so for that, we're, we're completely remote program. So as long as you have an internet connection and you're currently able to work in the United States, uh, you know, we want to work with you. We want to talk to you. We want to see if we can get you that, that role in sales. Um, and so for us, it, it's now just about expanding and scaling, but in a manner that's healthy because we could just pump, pump a bump, a bunch of money into all of this and, you know, hope the best. 
but for us, you know, the growth and especially because like I said, this jump from no, no college background, uh, hospitality, all into tech sales is a big leap. And so that means, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, sensitivity that we have to have with our students and a lot of human capital that goes into this, that we really want to make sure that our students and their experience is really figured out before we rapidly grow. And so we're looking at growing city by city. So, you know, like I said, we kind of have the best of both worlds between Denver Boulder for this, you know, first ecosystem to build mm -hmm. on. But then other than that, growing, like I said, city by city, because working with uh, workforce development centers in various cities is, you know, one connection because they connect us to the potential students, but then also connecting to the, the ecosystems in those communities. So that way we can get the students, you know, say, uh, Austin, for example, if we were to expand to Austin, we would want Austin students to get hired by Austin companies, because we've identified and understood that our students aren't necessarily ready to take that next leap and just move across the country, mostly because yeah. these you know, coming from low income backgrounds, family is huge for, for them, for us, I will say. And so that's not necessarily a, a leap that we've found to, to be to work. And so for us, that's, that's what the next 12 to 18 months looks like is growing city by city. So other than growing internally, the company, uh, you've, to me, it sounds like you've got to get two people to raise their hand. You've got to get both the student to raise their hand to express interest in joining the program. But you've also got to get uh, workforces to raise their hand saying, we'll work with the students that graduate from your program. The latter, how do you get workforces to open, uh, open their doors or raise their hands to you and say, I'm interested in working with you for graduates of your program. Yeah, so it's it's honestly, it's really about pushing them and almost depending on who they are, having a difficult conversation because, you know, the, the, there's a lot of companies, there's plenty of companies that talk about their DE and I campaigns and, you know, we're pushing for diversity in 2021 and diverse workforce. Okay, cool. You guys are talking about it. Well, we have the pipeline for it. So now it's time to put your money where your mouth is and hire our students but it, it's it's almost like you know i sound aggressive there but mind you diversity wins on the back end of this it's like you know i have to sell them to say look hire from us because you're going to have better performance numbers not because i say it but because the data says it. and then also if that's not enough for you we work with you to ensure that our curriculum sets our students up for success in your program and you get to come in and interact with our students and set them up for success too so yeah it's it's a financial investment it's also a time investment but it's, it saves you money in the long run when you're not having to deal with churn or you know low employee satisfaction. So help us invest in these students because these are your future employees. Let us know what we can do to set them up for success. So that, that's how those conversations go. Now, there's companies that are just like, yes, I get it. And within a five minute call, they're you know, on board and you know, let's, let's get talking to these students. And then there's others that you know, we kind of have to push them. But uh, I, I think we're moving in a direction, especially in the market, that definitely sees the impact and more importantly, the power in diversity. I think the fastest way to get any company on board, let's say you work in, in with tech companies would be to say, we work with all the top tech companies in Denver. Mm -hmm. And then no tech company is going to be want to be left off that list if their competitors are on it. Cause then they don't look like they're supporting diversity. And it's a great way to yeah. call them out on it without actually aggressively calling them out, which again is a tactic in itself. Um, you are probably looked to as a mentor for a lot of people. And going forward, that list will only get bigger and bigger and bigger. 
but I'm focusing on you personally. Where do you go to learn? Do you have any podcasts, books you read, mentors you go to for advice? Yeah, so I'm, I've actually, I'm pretty grateful. So about four years ago, um, when I first, you know, got into tech and got exposed to it, um, I, I shifted my entire Twitter feed to only following individuals that I aspire to be like. So that's different investors, different founders, different operators, um, all, all these different individuals that are all across all across the world, whether they're in Silicon Valley, or, you know, um, you know, London, Austin, wherever they may be, if they're great in their professions, I follow them on Twitter. And so, you know, yeah, like, you know, I, I read my books and, you know, I'm, I love Ben Horowitz as an author, um, you know, and, and, and so there's, you know, there's that aspect, but actually my number one is, is Twitter. I'm very, very grateful for Twitter um, just because, you know, there's, when in, when in Boulder, I was able to meet and take these individuals and say, hey, look, I'm a college student. Can I take you to coffee? And I just want to pick your brain for a little bit. Boulder supports that ecosystem. If I don't have access to go to Silicon Valley and I want to just pull one gem from someone, they might have a whole Twitter thread on how to acquire customers. And that would have been a better question than I would have asked if I had actually seen that person uh, over coffee. And so for me, it's like, it's like being able to just sit in a big coffee room and then just see everybody's uh, everybody's tweets and learn from them, um, as well as you know being able to just you know actively you know land in someone's DMs and say, hey, I have this question about this. Can you further explain this to me? Or I've seen your tweet about this, and I you know connecting these two. What are your thoughts there? And just being able to interact with anybody and everyone, whether they're billionaires or a, a startup CEO, just like myself. Um, that's, that's, you know, that community that, that Twitter brings. I know we're almost in a bubble in tech Twitter, but, um, you know, that's, that's, you know, something I'm, I'm very, very grateful for. Your, uh, go on. Oh, and I was just going to say, and then I, I, of course have, uh, you know, mentors and advisors that I definitely trust in and, you know, they believe in me and it's this, you know, really beneficial relationship, uh, that, you know, I, I definitely wouldn't be here definitely without my mentors and very grateful to, for the Colorado ecosystem that is very big on mentorship. And so not only have I been able to receive plenty of mentorship, now I'm on the other side where I'm able to give it. And so pretty much I'm just this channel of like, I learned this from these amazing mentors. Now I want to teach this to you from, you know, my mentors. And I hope that, you know, that has the same impact that, you know, it had on me with you. What kind of tricks or hacks have you discovered to keep you productive or focused in your day-to-day activities, if any? I mean, one thing that I've been encompassed from the jump was working smarter, not harder. Um, you know, and, and that's pretty much what encompass is greatly, right? Is working smarter is attending a 12-week boot camp that's free for students that gets you the same job on the other side uh, compared to if you went to school for four years and spent all that money. And so, you know, I that's just the overall is that's how I live my life is working smarter, not harder. And for me, that means, you know, being laser focused and having you know, just a few solid goals and then working backwards from them and then, you know, keeping the blinders on because early on it was easy for me to, to lose focus and say, oh, here's an opportunity here or here's an opportunity there. You know, we've had opportunities for companies to come in and say, hey, look, this is great for tech sales. We want to use it for recruiting or, you know, this is great for tech. We want to use it for energy or, you know, but for us is we have to stay laser focused because we haven't fully fleshed out tech sales yet. And once we do, then we can think about moving on. But for there, for now, we have to stay focused. And so not only staying focused overall, but also staying focused on a weekly basis, you know, setting our goals, meeting together. If we, if we run into trouble, what is, you know, how can we uh, put out those fires? But other than that, 
if it's if it's not meeting or putting us closer to our goals, we have to stay disciplined and we have yeah. to, you know, that maintain that laser focus. And so that's one of the those skills, those hacks that I'm actively working on. By by no means do I have it figured out, but you know, something I put a lot of energy and time into to trying to be better at my overall craft on a day-to-day basis. Very cool. Two final questions for you, David. I don't know if you live with anyone. I know you have your dog Zeus, but if you're property was burning down and you could only save one item what one item would that be well so if if my 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 the heartbeats in my life whether that be my partner or uh zeus are taken care of um i would say it's my uh my laptop or my phone i mean <laughs> you know that, I, that that's what i'm doing i'm, I'm sitting up at my desk you know if i'm if i'm inside i'm sitting at my desk working and uh, very fortunate to live in a world where you know we can we can work from our phone so if i have that i'll take it but if i have the opportunity i'll take my laptop and uh, you know we can still build a company from there slick slick final question i want you to imagine it's 2030 so it's the end of the decade and you're looking back on the last nine to ten years what and this could be personally or professionally what would you like to be looking back on in the year 2030 saying that you've achieved x in the, in the previous 10 years um I, I would say number one at that point in time is looking back and being comfortable and confident saying that i've been a great dad i'm not i'm not a father yet um but you know i, I definitely you know want want to have kids before that that you know 2030 deadline and so mm-hmm. um that's that's number one is you know living a, a successful life that allows me to, to be a great dad. But then number two is, you know, living a life and, you know, building a company that has been able to impact at least 250,000 people, um, you know, whether that be through Gritly or through any other endeavors, um, what, whatever that looks like, I want to positively impact these individuals and not just in a way that I make their day or, you know, I, I put a smile on their face. I seriously want to have impact on allowing them to find have access to and more importantly be exposed to opportunities that allow them to find economic mobility so changing their incomes and being a part of doubling or tripling their income and and really seeing the the long-term changes that that will have because that you know the changes economically tripling your income has immediate financial positive impact on you but also it has long run uh, you know, societal impact being that, you know, now Mariah, who tripled her income is on three months. Now she's a role model. Now she is somebody that her community looks up to, her family looks up to. Now, if we can continue that trend and just keeping it, you know, outward and just showing that what we do works, we're going to have that impact. It's just a matter of, of when and not if. And so I, I just hope that it spreads faster because the longer that we don't and aren't running these cohorts or aren't talking to these students, the, you know, the more that are falling through the cracks and, and it's 2021, there, there shouldn't be any of that. And so definitely by 2030, I want to look back and say that I was a catalyst for change when it came to helping individuals uh, be exposed to opportunities for economic uh, mobility. Amazing. Incredible. David, I wish you every success in the future going forward. It's been incredible to chat to you for the last 30, 35 minutes. Uh, and thank you for being my guest today. Rian, I, I thank you and I appreciate you, uh, you know, for this opportunity. Uh, you know, I, I wish nothing but, you know, wealth and success for you as well. And uh, if you're ever in Colorado, please let me know. I'll take you out for a beer. Beautiful morning. Get a song of my morning.